This episode of Gruntwork brought to you by the Binford Crosscut Saw. Arguably the most successful tool ever invented by the members of 90s hip-hop duo Criss Cross. My pants are on backwards. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of Grunt Work, the podcast where we are watching the television show Home Improvement and talking about it. Uh, I am Ned Null, as always, joined by my co-host. Uh, well, you didn't give me any any opportunity to... Ma- Mannert. 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 Mannert and, and Ned Null. Ned Null. Uh, and, and these jokes will make sense... Uh, Momentarily. In due time. And you will determine whether or not they are jokes. I don't think they're jokes so much as uh, references to the episode of Home Improvement that this, we just watched. This is why I call them goofers, because then you don't have to make that, that determination. <laughs> whether whether it's a joke, joke yeah, or right. just a reference that's dumb. It's just a goofer. Yeah. Listen, people, we're just trying to make you laugh. We're just trying to brighten your day a little bit. All we want to do is help you people. And what do we get in response? What do we get in return? Nothing. Quit judging us. Get off our dicks and just listen to our episodes. You know what? Turn this podcast off. You know what? You're not good enough for this podcast. You don't deserve this podcast. I'm sorry. You don't, you don't want the, you don't want to hear this. This, this goofer has gone in a <laughs> dark is, direction. This is a a weird twist to our finale uh, of season one that I had no idea. We're we're just alienating everybody. My emotions are very raw, knowing that knowing that we are one eighth of the way through this quest that we've set out for ourselves. <laughs> Truman, we have come so far. We have come very far. Yet we have so far to go. I know. It's. It, I was thinking about that in the process of watching this episode. That yeah. like on the one hand. There, there, it's kind of something is coming to an end. Like this, mm-hmm. they're clearly, it's like, oh, this is the end of our first season. But then knowing how many more, like there's going to, we're going to watch seven more season finales. Well, six more and a series finale. Right. And yeah, that's. Which will also be a season finale. I know. True, true. So I, <laughs> we're both right. Agree to disagree or agree to agree. Uh, <laughs> It, yeah, it's it's an it's the enormity of the task ahead of us. Uh, even though it is, even though I mean, we've already knocked twenty four episodes out. Yeah. There are so many left to do. But we are in the hundreds now. You know, we started with two hundred and three, and now we're down to whatever. Yeah, yeah. If the, it was, if you've learned anything <laughs> from this show, it's nothing about about fixing up your house or power tools. But you have learned that Landon and I can't do math. <laughs> Especially subtracting. Going backwards in time like that, no, not, n- not going to happen for not, me. Not at all. Um, yeah, so I, I had a similar sense to you while watching this uh, opening theme song in that one thing the show is known for is that every season they have a slight different variation on the theme and sure. just different uh, opening credits. So this was the last time we saw... The, you know, um, a pregnant Patricia Richards. Yeah. And the, the dinosaurs behind Taryn Noah Smith and, uh, are they, no, they're behind Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I've picked up on that at this point. Yeah. Well, you, you've had tw- 24 episodes to figure it out. <laughs> the fact that, the fact that I haven't, still haven't even noticed that and yeah. now we'll never have a chance to notice it again. You will never ever see it. Because I'm never going back and rewatching the first <laughs> season. Uh, mark my words. Will you ever watch the show again? After what? What is your gauge? One season in. I mean, okay. Should preface, and I'll get into this a little bit more in a moment. But we are we're going to be doing a season one uh, spectacular, an end of season um, kind of finale for ourselves. Yeah, uh, which you can look forward to next week. Um, I'll get into more in that in a moment. But after, what was my point? Well, well, after watching all of this, when am I going to go back and watch? Yeah, do okay. So after one season, do you think you'll you'll ever revisit home improvement intentionally well well yeah i mean that's the thing i don't know that i'm going to sit down and be like oh man you know what i want to actively watch and pay super close attention to home improvement Mm. like this this thing that we're doing here is going to fundamentally alter the trajectory of my life i feel certain like on my deathbed (laughs) this will be one of the things that flashes before my eyes is sitting (laughs) in a sweltering room with you discussing home improvement yeah it's in our dna now i i feel like especially like Working the Twitter and everything, finding all these the tidbits and trivia and the, the mailing list and the YouTube poops, the YouTube poops. That we <laughs> gonna make you keep saying last it. week. Um, it's it, the home improvement has like ingrained itself in me in a way. It, within one season, I don't know what my life is going to look like by the end of this podcast. I honestly, well, this is what I think though, and I, we've discussed this before. I still believe. 
that we are toward the end of the podcast going to look back and say, oh man, remember the end of season one when it was all fresh? <laughs> I, I really think, I don't know, I yeah. hope that I'm wrong, but I think that as as it goes on, I just hope that this show doesn't go yeah. to a darker place where it becomes the worst idea of all time yeah. and we're just, we're slogging through every episode and hating it. Because what even if we, even if every episode of season two we hate, I, I like we're going to go through, we're going to do the whole show, yeah. love it or hate it. You guys need to know, we are we are truly impartial observers, I think. I mean, we came into this, well, with, well we, I don't we, know if I agree with that. We came into this with affinity for the show, yeah. but we're not out here to take anybody down, but we also, as you've yeah, noticed, we'll true. call the show on its BS. Yeah. So, I enjoy, like, I, so far I've enjoyed everything that I've seen, I just, you know, I think maybe down, you know, I think that if there comes a point when the show stops being good, we're not going to sugarcoat that. We will tell you. Oh, of course, it's not good. Yeah. So, so right now, you know, uh, our our opinion is one thing, but it could change down the line. So I don't think after one season is the time to ask me if I'd revisit the show. I think you got to get okay. me a few seasons in. Landon, yeah. Landon, can I tell you a story, please? Can I tell? I want to tell you a story about the Taylor family. Uh oh. This is a story that takes place in Metro Detroit. And you may have surmised by now the story I'm telling you is a story of this week's episode of Home Improvement. Which, yeah. No. The title of this week's episode is Stereotypical. Yes. And this episode is anything but typical, but it is definitely about stereos. (laughs) Sort of. Uh, So we open on the set of Tool Time, uh, where it's the Tool Time Salute to Saws. And in honor of the Tool Time Salute to Saws... Uh, Tim and Al have a woman come out who can play a Binford, uh, Binford crosscut saw as a musical saw. She plays it with a violin bow and plays the theme from, uh, Green Sleeves, which makes Al cry and run off stage. Uh, <laughs> that's, and that's what happens at Tool Time. Uh, back on that, at, on that, on, on, that, on that, in that moment, yes. Yeah. Uh, then back at home, uh, Tim inadvertently blows out the uh, speakers on the stereo system and decides that he needs to get a new stereo. Jill is understandably concerned that Tim is going to go to the uh, electronics store and spend way too much money and buy way too much. She says, I just want I just want a simple stereo, one that I can easily turn on and off. When you go there, just ask yourself, what would Jill want? And then actually listen to the response. And so Tim goes and he comes back with a massive, gigantic... Stereo System Entertainment Center with a million remotes and controls. Uh, and Jill is unhappy about this <laughs> and and uh, how complicated Tim has made it, although Tim has also hooked the whole thing up to a clapper unit, which is supposedly supposed to make it simpler and make it so she doesn't have to learn how to use a bunch of remotes, but oh, instead... Instead, it does not do that. It only it only causes more uh, more commotion and anxiety <laughs> the and, and lamenting. Of 90s technology. Meanwhile, back on the set of Tool Time, uh, on their their next show, uh, Tim reveals that uh, the the woman playing the saw on their previous episode got a big response from our friends at K and B Construction, and so these dudes come back and they they've been inspired. Uh, they explain to Tim they've been inspired by hearing this woman play the saw, and now they've uh, created a band of themselves playing musical instruments made out of things on their construction site. Are these the same instruments that they use to cook their food? I, you know, you have to wonder. I think there's probably got to be some overlap. <laughs> so they, uh, they then proceed to play a little impromptu rock concert on, on, uh, a whole bunch of tools like a belt sander and a bunch of gasoline drums that they're drumming on and, uh, chimes made out of heavy metal piping and the whole crowd goes wild and then standing ovation, standing ovation, uh, and even and even Lisa is out there holding a burner and waving it around like it's a cigarette lighter. Back at home, uh, Tim reveals that he's finally gotten the uh, stereo system set up properly. He and Jill and the boys start listening to some opera music, and it all sounds very nice. Except that now Tim does not know how to turn the volume down, and the soprano's super high notes uh, then shatter all of the glass in the house. And then in our stinger, we find out that uh, the insurance company will pay for the broken windows, but they're doubling the deductible because they think that Tim is accident-prone. And Tim disputes this, uh, and then Jill says, think about it, Tim. And then Tim thinks about it, and we see a quick flashback to all of his injuries sustained over the course of the season. And uh, and that is the end of the first season of Home Improvement. Uh, how, how did I do, Landon? You're, I think your synopses are always better than mine, but... <laughs> mine, mine are lazier, let's yeah. put it that way. Well, <laughs> that, that, was, that was the episode. I was actually very curious how you were going to summarize this thing, because there was a point in the middle of this episode where I had, like... 
I couldn't tell if I zoned out or if I was just going through an existential crisis. Something happened to me. Mm -hmm. I couldn't pinpoint it. And at a certain point, so much had passed that I couldn't tell left from right. I did, I was my note to myself was what the fuck is happening? I think I think was this <laughs> when they were playing the music? It was around that time, yes. Yeah, th this episode I I like this episode purely in that I like that they were so excited that the first season was over and that they'd clearly been greenlit for a second season. Yeah. But this was this was very much had a, a like this grand is finale feel to it. It's very it was very much fan service top to bottom. Yeah. Like, yeah uh, but at the same time, I, I think I've I've there are a number of episodes on this show that where I've said it just seems like a bunch of things happening and not really a plot. Right. I think Home Improvement, more so than Seinfeld, can at times truly lay claim to the title of a show about nothing. Yes. Because this episode is about nothing. There is no conflict in this episode. It, if there is conflict it is so strained. Uh, you know, uh, the yeah. writers, like, Jill is never at any point even really mad. She yeah. just gives a warning, tells him to heed it, he doesn't. That's that, really. Yeah. He... I would even argue that what's usually Tim's, you know, giving something more power and having it blow up in his face isn't even the case here. That at the end, when he's turning on the music and can't turn it down, that that's a manufacturer error. Yeah, that's really, uh, yeah. He doesn't do anything to the remote. That does nothing. It's, I would say, completely out of his hands. I mean, and you could argue that this is the thing, is that Tim has bought this new super powerful stereo, but then he's opened up the back of it and rewired it in a bunch of different ways and hooked yeah. it up to a clapper so that turns on the TV and turns on the stereo. So presumably in rooting around in there, he disabled the volume control, maybe. Maybe. I, I, I you know, we can, we can delve into that, uh, for hours. <laughs> I, yeah, this, this episode, they really, yeah, they kind of just threw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall yeah. and just saw what would stick. It's like, well, what, do, what, you know, what do people, what do people like? They like the K and B construction guys, and I'm going to admit, uh, as soon as they said K and B construction, I started clapping. Yeah, I was, you, you applauded on I, my couch. I, yeah, when they when they came out, <laughs> and I was because I like the K and B construction guys. Yeah. I thought I I'm I my focus test rating for yeah. those guys is the same as the people they focus tested about them in the 90s. <laughs> I think they're great. Have them on yeah. more. Third uh, appearance already. Yeah, I know in one season. Yeah. Uh, so, but it was like, okay, people like K&B Construction, let's get them out there, and people like Tim bringing a big powerful thing into his house, let's do that. We have Wilson at his, I mean, that's probably some of the weirdest stuff Wilson has done. I think Wilson, yes. Wilson chants a, a, uh, a, a, an ancient Greek poem. A dithrem. A death, a dith, dithorem. Dithorem. Dith, dithorem. Not to be confused with the Dithraki. Very different. <laughs> although, although apparently Dithrems were recited by, uh, large groups of gyrating naked men in fields. So, <laughs> maybe it is like the Dithraki. So, so he's, so Wilson is talking to Tim. I guess, uh, you know, Tim is kind of ruminating to Wilson. He has, he has bought this, yeah. this big stereo against his wife's wishes and is, is setting it up and kind of waiting for Jill to come home and see it. And he's speculating to Wilson about, like, ah, why do I, why do I love stereos so much and loud music? And this is also the first time I've real, that there's been any mention of, of Tim being an audiophile. Right, yeah. In addition. In fact, it, it kind of flies in the face a little bit of, uh, Flying Sauces. Yeah. Coincidentally, the first we, appearance of K&B. That's the, that's the nexus of, of so much <laughs> of this show is Flying Sauces. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, it's Bubble Bubble Toil and Trouble, which I haven't mentioned in a few episodes. Yeah, but, I know, it's been a while. <laughs> um, the where I don't know if you remember they're in the basement. Tim and Jill are in the basement. Oh, I remember. And, uh, they find Anagata Davida. Yeah, and uh, they're, then they're just naming songs for a while well, to chew yeah. up some screen time. Well, Jill does. She calls herself the Queen of something. I can't remember what it was. Uh, the Queen of Pop. The Queen <laughs> Queen of Pop. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, well, yes. Yeah. She's married to Michael Jackson. <laughs> really? She's played by Lisa Marie Presley. Ah, uh, um, sure, sure. Uh, anyhow. In that episode, we get a sense that Jill, like, she has, like, a little rock streak in her. Oh, which, yeah. Which, in this episode, you know, she definitely abides by the, uh, if it's too loud, you're too old. Yeah. Because <laughs> Tim starts playing some rock music at a certain point early in the episode. She's it, like, it's too loud. Turn it down. Tim starts playing s some uh, royalty-free heavy metal music. <laughs> yes. Which also does not... The music he's playing doesn't sound at all like Tim's taste in music to me. No. I mean... As far as Tim's rock taste goes, I think they hit it on the head with uh, Mo Betta Blues, which was uh, 
Born to be wild, yeah, like, absolutely. Steppenwolf is his, yeah, you know, that that kind of like emerging heavy metal. Yeah, I could see him like Black Sabbath. I well, I I could even see him being into Ozzy Osbourne. You yeah. know, I, I think yeah. that Crazy Train probably speaks to him. Oh, that, yeah, I, I, I guess post Sabbath Ozzy, and it's it's a whole song about basically a supercharged vehicle <laughs> that is going off the rails. Yeah, um, not at all about uh, cocaine use. Yeah. No. Oh, but also might be something he would have been into. I, yeah, you know, well, why, why else do you think, you know, in college he was swinging off the girl's dorm screaming for virgins to come wax his loins? I mean, that's a, that's like that scene. He was in, on the crazy train. Yeah. It's like that scene in, in Almost Famous where it's like, how will I know if he's on acid? And then it just cuts the guy on top of the house screaming, I am a golden god! <laughs> that was the, that was the college. That's, you know, that's, that's what I want. I want the, the, uh, college comedy movie about Tim Taylor in college. And that's the scene where it's like, how will I know if Tim dropped acid? And he's like, send us the virgins to wax my loins. <laughs> oh my, I, you know what? I'd say we should start writing, um, home improvement origin stories. Yes, I think so. You said, <laughs> you said home improvement origin. And I thought, please don't say home improvement orgy stories. <laughs> Fanfiction.net, I'm sure, already has plenty of those. We'll, we'll provide the, the content. We'll provide the seeds. You guys out there in Radio Land, you go write it. You, you guys out there in Pervert Radio Land, go write it. Uh, the land inhabited by pervert radios. Listen, I'm not going to judge uh, who our listeners are. If you want to be a pervert, just don't hurt anybody. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, only only be pervy with other consenting radios. <laughs> Oh man, I don't even remember. We got we got into we the weeds, <laughs> as so often happen. No, no matter, you know, twenty four episodes in, and still we we lose track of yeah, what we're doing. We we went off the rails on the crazy train. Uh, um, <laughs> but we'll bring, thank you, sir. We'll bring it back to uh, the stereo that they're playing royalty free music from. Yeah, yeah. Jill's a little miffed about how loud he wants the stereo, and he's like, "No, this is the the volume. You have to listen to it." And like cranks it up a bit and starts doing this air guitar move. Um, and then he, what he claims is he blew the woofer out. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say no stereo that blew out in the history of time ever sounded like. Yeah. And then silence. That, that was the, that was the sound effects guys were like, okay, what, what sounds like a stereo breaking? Oh, yeah. well, we don't have that. Well, let's do the electrical short out sound effect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he claims that it was the woofer that, that blew, uh, which also don't think that's what. I've blown woofers before. You you rock pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, I you know what I did. I had a I had a ten inch in my uh, my truck growing up. Yeah, and yeah. you oh, what did you what did you blow it out on? <laughs> Theme from um, Green Sleeves. Actually, I believe it was uh, um, murder was the murder was the case murder. Oh my god, I'm murder. Aw- she wrote. I'm awful with uh, titles. Okay, um, except for titles of home improvement episodes yeah. that you remember, like Rain Man. <laughs> Uh, I think it was Murder Was the Case. It was a Snoop Dogg song off of Doggy Style. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah, but so he blows his, his woofer, apparently, yeah. uh, playing this rock music, and then immediately decides, oh, you know, hey, why don't we, we get a new stereo? Yeah. And and Jill at first resists and mm-hmm. then says, well, just get me a, get me, you know, just something simple. And Tim, Tim just kind of goes on. There's actually a funny moment. Where Tim is kind of talking about all the great new stereo technology that's available and, yeah. and, and trying to sell Jill on this idea. And as he's trying to explain it, there's this kind of close-up on her. And she's saying, like, yeah, it just, just turns me on when you talk about woofers and tweeters and she's amps and cords. And, like, it, Tim keeps trying to talk and she keeps going, like, cords and tweeters, <laughs> faders. throwing out a lot of... Wah-wah pedals. Can I get a word in here? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it, I think... She threw out a lot of like techno babble, which I'm like, oh, she, I think she does secretly. She is kind of like an audio audiophile. A woman who listens level. to that much opera probably has very specific settings yeah. for yeah. Uh, or maybe she's got her like rock side. Maybe she like reserves that for special occasions or something. Well, she is like you know again she well yeah in that episode when they're in in flying sauces when they're in the yeah. basement naming all the pop songs. I mean, Jill does seem to truly be a music lover. I yeah. mean, or was at one point. Yeah, in maybe the 70- rock music killed her parents. Who knows? Wow. Uh, well, well, she <laughs> given how much she seems to like seventies rock, maybe it was eighties rock that oh, killed yeah, her she, parents. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. flock of seagulls don't touch it, but anything <laughs> from the seventies. Um, I do want to say something though, in in that she goes. When you go to the store, ask yourself, as you have already said, ask yourself, what would Jill want me to buy? Now, if Tim has learned anything... 
And he hasn't. And he hasn't, but maybe he has. But fool's errand, but continue. He goes to the store, listens to what Jill wants him to buy, buys the opposite, brings it home, and things play out as they normally do in that he screws up. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. I am willing to bet he knows 90% of the time his screw-ups lead to him getting laid. She's created a negative incentive system, or, well, one that, for him, like, he gets he gets a, a dog treat whenever he craps on the floor, so yes. you're basically training your dog to crap on the floor. Exactly, so when he's, when so technically he is listening to her advice and saying, I, I heard what you said, I know what you wanted me to get, I got the exact opposite, because I want to I wanna get late tonight. Because So if he'd gotten the thing that Jill wanted, she would have been like, oh, well, thanks, honey, that's sweet. Yeah, I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. No, don't bother. Because no, you know fine. who would have gotten the thing that Jill wanted? Al. Boom. And that's why Al and Jill aren't married. <laughs> you know, I like because at the beginning of the series, we were like, why aren't Jill and Al the ones who are married? Yeah. And now I think we know. It, she wants that bad boy. Yeah. Uh, just like the bad boys of the rock and roll music scene, or the bad boys of the opera scene. <laughs> I the mean, bad boys of basketball. Yeah, or the or you know, or just bad boys, or bad boys too, or uh, the show cops. Yeah, or uh, uh, tweeters, tweak, twoofers. <laughs> Again, just just listening things. There comes a point we in every episode. It's not even. It's not even that we're saying words that sound like words. We're just saying we're just saying words. Period. Yeah, and they're not even stringing together. But at least well, we can call ourselves out on it. Our stupidity is self-referential and meta stupidity. <laughs> The one thing I really like from this scene, well, I like a number of things from this scene, but when he's, he's trying to pitch her on all of the things yeah. in this uh, new stereo that he wants, one of the things he says, it's got this and this and this and an aluminum diaphragm. <laughs> and the first thing I think is, oh, diaphragms, that was the thing that women used a lot in the 90s for birth control. And there's this close-up on Jill making a face that's like, well, that's a th- that, that sounds like a bad thing for birth control. <laughs> and you know, as with last week, when you were like, I think that they wanted to make this joke, but they couldn't. Mm. I, I think that they could get away with Jill making a face and leaving it up to interpretation, but they could not get away with her like, Interesting. like well, that would be painful yeah, or something right. like that. No, I, I I can see that for sure. Yeah, uh, getting around sensors, man. I know, Family I know. Television. That, that's <laughs> that was that was the thing. Just just be just how how innocent we were in the '90s, and then and then the Lewinsky scandal came along, and and, <laughs> and NPR got so filthy so fast. Yes. Uh, Before we go too much further, I want to go back in time because we skipped over this first tool time scene pretty quickly sure. here. Yes. There's a number of things we need to mention. One, it starts with Tim carving in a sign. Oh, right, of course. <laughs> yes, this is why we're speaking backwards, yeah. Yeah, he's carving his name, uh, a wooden plank to put on the front of his house, apparently. Um, uh, and he picks it up after he's drilled into it, which, you know, he's done a stencil that goes all the way through the wood. So when yeah. he picks it up and he reads it, it's backwards, well, not knowing that the other side of it's the right side. The side that he's looking at is forwards and he holds it up to Al, and Al sees the backward side and says, you know, Al, what does that say? <laughs> and Al reads, I, did you write? Reads his name backwards, which yeah. is... Uh, Roylet Mitt yeah. is Tim Taylor backwards. And then uh, in a little bit, when he he pulls up the coping saw, yeah. and he goes, hey, do you suppose it's called a coping saw because it knows how to handle stress? I don't think so, Roylet. <laughs> which, I want to point out, Roylet is technically Tim's last name. So mm-hmm. wouldn't it be, I don't think so, Mitt? Well, yes, that would be. And that would also be a, a great thing to say if you got into a disagreement with Mitt Romney. But uh, <laughs> I think the idea is that, I think the idea is that Roylat Mitt is, like, because if you're reading left to right, Roylat comes first. That would be his first name huh. in this bizarro universe so of the other side of the, the board. in Versaverse, um, our last names become our first names. Yes. Interesting. Well, and But so this joke plays out where he, you know, holds it, and what, what, uh, what Al sees is Roy Latmitt. He says, you know, Al reads back Roy Latmitt to Tim. Yeah. Tim is confused by this, and he says, no, what are you talking about? And he holds the thing up for the audience to read Tim Taylor, and he looks at it and says, it says, Roy Latmitt. Well, how do I screw that up? <laughs> and then Al gives this fantastic little, uh, reaction as he's walking behind Tim. He's like, so, so much of the best parts I find of tool time is just, 
Al puttering around as know, Tim right? talks. Like, it's not even, he doesn't even have to be playing to the camera, yeah. but it's just him kind of darting into the background and with a flourish, like pulling a cart over to the next thing, yeah. like whipping the tarp off the ground before Tim <laughs> steps on it. It's like a, it's this ballet that he's choreographed around Tim. Yeah. Richard Karn, I don't feel like we've, we've talked about Al and we've given our love for Al a lot in the last, you know, handful of episodes, but we haven't talked about what Richard Karn is bringing to this. It's, he is really like, there's a level of commitment to the character that you don't see from many, you know, uh, character, you yeah. know, side characters in a lot yeah. of uh, other sitcoms. Like, there's a moment later in this episode, during the K&B concert, when, uh, you know, Tim and Al, they've both pulled out their measuring tapes as, uh, like, uh, guitars, guitar But they're dicks, holding them down. Yeah, they, it's definitely like they're, yeah. <laughs> it could also be dicks. But there's a moment where Al has, like, a shining, uh, shining little solo where he dings this bell mm-hmm. with a hammer. And he flips the hammer back over and puts it in his, his uh, smock, in his tool belt. And yeah. uh, I, it made me realize... Richard Karn learned how to, like, juggle tools for the show. Because he's done that in other episodes, or he'll, like, kick, he'll, like, yeah, kick a he thing kick that hammer out, out of his holster and into his hand. Yeah, he, I, you picture him in his apartment before they shot, like, practicing yeah. this again and again. It's he, impressive. Yeah, no, he, he really, I think, and it's those sorts of flourishes, I think, that get him... Uh, you know, that got him his his spot in the show that yeah. were able to hold him over in that role. And this is why Pamela Anderson hasn't been given much ado because she hasn't been flinging hammers around. There is one bit, so true. <laughs> <She's> also, <laughs> don't fl- fling flinging hammers. hammers and Pamela Anderson in the same sentence out of context. Yeah, yeah. Don't even, you know what? I'm not even going to plumb those depths. Uh, there is, the, you know, we do get some Pamela Anderson screen time here where she just, you know, they've got the the K and B guys out and they're preparing to play. And, and it's like, again, this is one of those, like, oh, last episode yeah. moments where, like, Tim is introducing the K&B guys as they're preparing to, to play their song. And it's him standing there leaning on the desk with Al next to him and then Lisa next to them. And it's almost, it's like, it's almost like a publicity photo lineup. But, yeah. So they're both looking into the, and she's got this, like, sultry kind of smoky look into the camera. And this is really the first time it's lingered on her long enough to be like, oh, damn, yeah, you're really attractive. But you know what? I kind of felt offended in that moment. For on her behalf, where yeah. it was like, you, you're making me stand here as if this entire time you've assumed I have been an equal or had an equal part of this. Like, yeah, it it kind of it felt like a fuck you in a little bit. It, it's like way. it's like it's like they're saying to the audience, like, hey guys, end of the season. Remember all the good times you've had together? You know, Tim and Al and Lisa. All the good times that Lisa was involved in. All the fun hijinks that Lisa had with yeah, these guys. Remember Lisa? Yeah, I, I wonder if like maybe. She had already started to express her her uh, disdain with you know not giving being given enough to do, and they're like, "Well, I'm, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna say, man, I, if I were her, if I were you know what twenty five or however old, probably, yeah, younger, I don't know, twenty three, and I I had a recurring role on what was arguably one of America's most popular sitcoms, quote unquote recurring, quote unquote re- quote unquote recurring, <laughs> quote unquote role. She look, she's on screen, she's getting a SAG paycheck for it, yeah. she's getting exposure for it. Yeah, maybe she's frustrated that she doesn't have more to do, but at the same time, you're working, and you're, like, that's a foot in the door that gets you Baywatch down the line. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's true. I mean, we, we should look into the trajectory of Pamela Anderson's career. Yeah, we should take a long, unflinching look <laughs> well, at the trajectory of Pamela Anderson's career. <laughs> I think that Tool Time, specifically, you know, Home Improvement, sure. got her uh, Playboy. And I would say Playboy is what got her Baywatch. Okay. And when when Playboy got her the attention that Home Improvement did not, it was a good career move for her to go, listen, you got something here. You're doing nothing with it. Peace out, bros. I'm going to do a show where they'll put me in slow motion. In a, in a swimsuit and not just overalls. So you, th- so you think... When did she, when did she do the Playboy spread though? Was that between seasons one and two or was the Playboy spread what got her kicked? Like, or did she leave the show because she was like, you know. I, I will look into this and I will have answers for you by the end of season two. You, you will, you will look into this Playboy situation for me. Now, are, now which page from it are you going to take, Landon? <laughs> and where are you going to put it up? <laughs> Whatever one, she's fully clothed and I'm going to put it on. Uh, my childhood bedroom ceiling. That, that's a callback to uh, 20 episodes ago, I think. <laughs> yeah, episode four. Ah, oh, those were the days. 
Uh, good, good math though. There, who said you can't subtract? <laughs> you, you did a great job. <laughs> Don't sell yourself short. Yeah, thank uh, you. I, uh, but yeah, so they. I don't. Do, do, can we talk about? Is there more to say about the stereo bit, or do we want to talk? No, I want about to talk. The, there is one other thing I want yeah. to talk about in the very first uh, scene of Tool Time. Talk which about is the that first episode scene of the episode. Um, Janine Ray Heller. Yeah, that's who that is. Yeah. Do you know who that is? She looked really familiar, and at first I was like, she's the woman from all of those L'Oreal commercials and the movie Michael and the movie Scrooge. <laughs> and I was like, McDowell? And I was like, no, wait, that's Andy McDowell. Yeah. This is not Andy McDowell. Andy <laughs> McDowell was busy being famous at the time. Yeah, right. And we've had many multiplicity uh, theories kind of injected into this, which is kind of a weird uh, coincidence. But you can uh, inject Andy McDowell into any movie from the 90s as the love interest, and she just fits. <laughs> or, um, and Bonnie Hunt is always her best friend. Yes. Um, which coincidentally, I don't think those two ever have been in a movie together. Janine Ray Heller is known for being a musician playing the song. Oh, outside of the show. Okay. Well, well, okay. So they didn't, they, they hired a professional saw player to come on the show and play her saw. I didn't know that this was a thing. I thought it was something that they specifically invented for this show. Oh, you didn't know about musical saws? No. Is that an actual thing? Yeah, it's an actual thing. Okay. Wait, this is... Wait, everyone at home, you're listening to Landon learning that musical saws are a thing. It's not like it's not like a popular thing, but it's like the old kind of corny variety show trick. So like, it's kind of a vaudeville, like a, oh, it's, a ring, you know, yeah. running your fingers around the ring of a glass to create. Yeah, it's one hundred. Oh. It is like a vaudeville deal, but yeah, the, it's you get the thin metal of the crosscut saw, and you can get it to reverberate a certain way if you play it with one oh, of those shit. things. Wow. Well, hey, you learn something new every day, and uh, sometimes from home improvement. Yeah, hopefully, well, I learned it from you. Yeah. Musical Saws was an actual thing. I thought maybe she had done this as like a publicity stunt and that to they... raise awareness about Saws. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, it seems like this show anything uh, that would take some sort of home improvement thing and make it out of context into another thing would be a way to get on home improvement. Yes. Uh, that that yeah. You, you, one wonders if there were if the show got so popular that people started sending in videos of them doing dumb home improvement stuff to try and get get you know written in as a as a wacky guest star. <laughs> okay, well, so that answers a lot of questions I had because um, I was just really shocked that she was known for playing the musical saw outside of this uh, show. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not saying it's not like it's not like you know there not people fill Madison Square Garden to hear the musical saw. I would say actually that people would fill Madison Square Garden to not hear a musical saw play. But, uh, yeah, it's a thing. Like, it's a novelty sort of instrument and music. You know what I have to say to that? Fair point. So, look, I, I we, we've, we've dillied and we've dallied. We have to talk about... I feel like the centerpiece of this episode is just the K&B construction guys playing on their... On, on the, instru- on the yeah, tools. I, I mean, think that, that is all... And before we get to the, the K&B stuff, we also have a few scenes of Tim putting together the new stereo that he's purchased yeah uh we get kind of a a scene reminiscent of the dishwasher scene from the pilot episode where mark and uh tim are Mm -hmm. trying to put this stuff together okay well i want to talk about k&b construction playing music on power tools i've been trying to all day and you're like oh no let's talk about the stereos i'm sorry that was cruel that's not what your voice sounds like you were like, hey, let's actually discuss the episode in some length all instead right, of just half-assing right. it like you. All right, let's talk about the shows now. Yeah, all right. Uh, so Tim has bought the new stereo. He goes out back to talk to Wilson about it. Uh, and then in the process of conversing with Wilson, uh, you know, w- Wilson st- compares it to uh, to the, what, the D- Demeter, the Dementor, the... D- Dithyram. The Dithyram. He compares Tim's love of music to a dithyram, and then to give an example of what that is, he starts doing a dithyram, which is a sort of chanted, syncopated, uh, 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 epic yeah. poem. He says that usually 50 men get naked and dance around uh, doing this performance yeah. to cleanse w- whatever, yeah. tell the story. And so he is in, he's on his side of the fence... And he's holding like some long pipe or pole or something, and he's kind of hitting it rhythmically against the ground and, and chanting this this poem about like death and destruction and lamentations and <laughs> swinging the pole around. And Tim yeah. has to like duck to not get hit in the head. So the transition from this scene in, back to Tool Time is a pipe swings into the screen 
and knocks the image on screen way into the background onto the set of tool time. Yeah. Well, and, and like it flies and flies back and gets smaller and smaller and then flies into the garbage can on the tool time Oh my set. god. You pick up on all these little tiny details that I always miss on. I, well, when it's transit, when it's a transition I can get mad at, Landon. I always <laughs> will. This, this, this transition I say might be the longest one. Wow. Just in terms of how long it flew back before going yeah. into the thing. Although a drop of milk did not come out of the garbage can, so it didn't, <laughs> didn't piss me off that much. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like it was the back of Bob Vila's head. That, yes, yes. <laughs> almost like it was identical to, and we get a little replay of that later. Yeah, right. Uh, so, we're back at the set of tool time, and uh, Tim and Al introduce the K&B construction guys, and they come running out and explain about how they, you know, yeah, we were, we heard the lady with a circular saw, or playing the playing the crosscut saw the other day, and it just got us really inspired on the job site, and we just heard the music and all yeah, these we've been tools around us. Listening to all the, the sounds that the tools make around us, the, you know, the buzzing of the, the reverberating is what yeah. you're saying, and the, yeah. And and here's, here's what, here, my takeaway from this is... When do the K&B construction guys build anything? Because it seems like they spend all their time on the job trying to think of ways to repurpose their construction materials into other stuff, be it musical <laughs> instruments or cooking implements. Yeah. So they, the guys come out and and they uh, they and they introduce all the instruments they have. There's like a guy who has like a set of chimes that are made out of metal pipe segments cut yeah, in half, right. hanging from a, a scaffold. There's a guy who has a drum set that's made from like a, a you know plastic garbage can and a pair of big empty gasoline well, jugs. Truman, this is our third appearance of the K and B construction guys. I think we are on first name basis with them. Yes, yes, we are, because I remember all of their names, and I'm now going to say them in your voice with my perfect impression. Dwayne, Rock, and Pete. Yeah, and those guys, and I just said yeah to myself because I was saying <laughs> names: Dwayne, Rock, and Pete. But uh, what's interesting. Last time we saw them at the bowling alley, they had uh, another guy with them. I think Lewis. Yeah, Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Lewis is gone. Yeah, they have another new guy. Uh, it's like the drummer in Spinal Tap, man. Just can't have to keep replacing him. Now I, I want to dig into this a little bit. I know you are super excited to get into the performance. No, man, it's all of it. It's all of this. But this guy plays into the performance, so he's credited on IMDb as John Juke Logan, and the character he's playing, dot 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 himself. Uh, which is confusing to me. Uh, Very yes. confusing. I So I went to his page, and I looked at what else he's uh, worked on. He's got a very strange career. He's got six credits. Uh, he was the, in the scoring band of Streets of Fire, <gasps> which I love. It's oh, one I love of Street my Street. favorite soundtracks of Oh, all my time. God. It's like I was listening to Nowhere Fast on the way over oh, here today. That is such a jam. Yeah, everyone, do yourself a favor. Go listen to the soundtrack for Streets of Fire and maybe watch the movie. <laughs> I mean... Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's give or take. If, I don't if know. you want to see 18-year-old Willem Dafoe fighting a dude with a sledgehammer, <laughs> that's that's pretty good. And Diane, like 18-year-old Diane Lane. Yeah, and a semi-serious and dickish Rick Moranis? Dick yeah, Moranis. Yeah, Dick Moranis. Oh, that's good. That's, uh, yeah, Dick, yeah, Dick Moranis, Rick Moranis <laughs> in, a, in a serious role... Directed by Walter Hill, uh, which is an action... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a bizarre match. He was just coming right off of 48 Hours, and they were like, yeah. oh man, get here, man, take all the budget, and, and like, <laughs> you want, like, clearly you couldn't make something that's a flop, and he's like, yeah. watch me. <laughs> so he was part of the scoring band in, really? on that soundtrack. Uh, he was also a musician in Midnight Run. <laughs> uh, he was a music consultant on one of my favorite films of all time, The Iron Giant. Oh, Going in a very different direction, and very later in his career. It would have been it's that he wrote the song that they played, like they needed to hire, like the, the production of Home right. Improvement needed to hire someone to write a song to be played on improvised construction Oh equipment. yeah, because they do, as you know, we'll get into in a moment, they yeah. do have a song called uh, Ratchet Rhapsody that had to have been written, yeah. obviously, so it must have been this guy uh, wrote wrote that. Well, they they play Rivet Rhapsody... Ratchet Rhapsody. Ratchet, Ratchet Rhapsody. Which has a much different meaning nowadays with uh, all the young <laughs> yes. kids' slang. Yeah, I'm not fully sure what Ratchet even means. I know that the kids use the, the yeah. slang. I don't know what they mean by it when uh, they say I think it. It's a, I think it's a bad thing. Oh, it's okay. It's not good you, to be you Ratchet. You don't want to be Ratchet. Okay. <laughs> they, they play this song, Ratchet Rhapsody, and it really is just like... Th- this is the center of the episode. This, I think, is what the whole episode is built around. And it's really just... 
like a music video almost, and not a very well directed one at that. Burn, but it's just <laughs> it's them they, them playing this and kind of jumping around and like all these re- cutaway shots to Tim and Al and Lisa sort of dancing together. They're like they're like you know swinging burners back and forth in time with the beat, like they're lighters or they've got their tape measures out and they're pretending that they're they're guitar dicks. <laughs> uh, like Tim dances across the stage at one point and he and Al are like doing synchronized dances from both sides. Yeah. The producers are dancing that. Oh my God. When you pointed that out, that blew my mind. Cause they are just doing like typical yuppie corporate sort like it reminded me of a lane on home improvement or on, on Seinfeld. No, you just gave, you just gave me an idea for another crossover, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um you wait, you supercharged the dishwasher? Get out. <laughs> um Yeah, so Tim, can I, you build me some new sponges? <laughs> uh, Tim, you're just such a grease monkey, you know? Okay, I'm sorry, that's it. That's all the Seinfeld I'm doing. Go on. <laughs> um I don't even remember where I was going with that. Oh no, I hate when I do this to you. Um, uh it's like it the the corporate the corporate yuppie dancing. Yeah, they were just it was like arms flailing, there was no rhythm whatsoever. Because uh, looks you, like they did coke, a line of coke right before. Do you think there was live music on set, or do you think they just told everyone? Like they just had like <laughs> maybe they had someone hitting a uh, you know a cowbell for the beats or something. No, they had to for how synchronized a lot of it was with the with uh, rocks like Devo dancing and the timing of him having to get the sander on the yeah. oil drum. They had to have been. Uh, doing playback on set. And we should mention, yeah, so Rock's... When we say Rock's Devo dancing, we mean Rock is wearing a helmet and Devo goggles. Yeah, well, welder goggles, but... uh, Which become Devo goggles when you wear them on stage in a band. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, this... I was very confounded. And I, I, I thought I had lost my mind when this was happening. There was a moment while this was going on that I just, like, it went on for so long that... This is where I wrote. Where what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah, it. I lost sense of reality, and I couldn't tell where the show began and where you ended, <laughs> or vice versa. I mean, it's all just kind of a squiggly line in my brain. I thought I was watching. I was like, okay, well, then this is the end of the episode. Then the episode just ends with this because it's this big. I mean, it's this big like song and dance number, which ends with the entire audience giving a standing ovation and Tim and Al and the K&B construction guys and Lisa all bowing. And it's clearly the last thing they shot yeah. uh, of the season. And then from, from so we, we have seen a rock band of construction workers jam out on improvised instruments, Tim and Al dancing, producers dancing, everyone, it's like the scene in, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off where everyone in Chicago dances. <laughs> right. And then from that, we just get a simple cross dissolve to the next scene. A cross dissolve. Just, just the most standard editing technique that you would see and not raise it. Like, if ever there was a time <laughs> to do a nuts bonkers transition, have yeah. it be from the most nuts bonkers have, thing on the show. Have the, the Sanders set something on fire, have the screen set on fire, flame yeah. transition into the Taylor household. We, we zoom out from the image, and the image turns into, like, a microphone, and then, like, a, an outline <laughs> of, like, a singer's head comes into screen and, like, goes, yeah, yeah! And then we pull back further from that, and, like, a belt Sander cuts a path over the top of it, and then and then a bird oh, lands on it and explodes. I don't know. Is this what you call Stockholm syndrome? Yes, yes. Now, now I'm at the point where I'm suggesting new outlandish transitions. I have gone. I, I don't. It's it's been a roller coaster watching this show, man. They're gonna they're gonna hurt me with these transitions in the in the coming seasons. Uh, so I want to say something about um, earlier when I was just doing research on stuff. I came across this clip. Uh, and I didn't watch it all because I didn't want to ruin the experience of, of seeing it, you know, sure. reliving it, uh, in the moment. But when the clip I watched, there was like just three bars of the song. And I was convinced for like two months now of doing this podcast that we were leading to this performance that was a rendition of Burning Down the House by Talking Heads. Oh, that would have been so cool and also off brand for this show. <laughs> but I also think a little bit. Thematically, uh, oh, 
Very, no, yeah, abs- on, on point. Yeah, very, very on point for what Tim does. I just, I, I just struggle to think of like David Byrne signing the, the signing the rights to the song away to home well, improvement. I'm gonna say I feel a little cheated because Talking Heads is one of my favorite bands. Uh, not yeah, my all time favorite band. Yeah, they're, and they're, this they're morning, brilliant. I, I did a little jig while I was cleaning, thinking, you know what? Good on David Byrne. He's got that. Uh, he's 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 got that home improvement residual coming to him. I'm pretty sure he's got like other residuals. Yes. I also like so thinking about David Byrne making money makes you dance a jig. That's that's what brings I just, joy I love to your life. That somehow home improvement was connected to one of my favorite things of all time. That, that like this really like kind of artsy and and uh, uh, thinky brainy yeah. dude who's who exists on a different wavelength from all yeah. of humanity uh, was still getting checks from Home Improvement the yes. most right across the plate sitcom that filled me with joy uh, and I don't know why and uh, to bring it back to this episode this performance stopped making sense. <laughs> I think that this performance uh, really would be... I think they could replace... Okay, we're going to do some inside baseball. So all the talk, Stop Making Sense fans turn this up and everyone else just pause it for like 15 seconds. Or I think pause it for an hour and 22 minutes and go watch Stop Making Sense. Actually, yeah, do that. It will really improve your life. Uh, if they, in Stop Making Sense, if instead of Genius of Love in, in the middle of it, they just had K&B Construction come out... <laughs> but, oh my god! But if they played... They still play Genius of Love. They just play it on the uh, on on uh, the construction construction tools. tools. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my god! I want to see the Stop Making Sense concert of K and B Construction. Honestly, I think that's probably Stomp though, because it seemed <laughs> when 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 they started playing and the, and like a lot of it's just like it, most of the way that their, their instruments work are just them drumming on yeah. things. Like one of them's hitting an anvil. Here's the problem though: that Stomp knows they're good. K&B construction guys are achieving something beyond their normal realm of capability, which makes them endearing. Stomp is just like, they're pretentious. St- Stomp, the whole time they're doing it, it's like, dude, we are, we are awesome. We are so good at this. Look at how we can make music from anything. We're Stomp. We can do, <laughs> we can just bash a, a trash can lid and it's gonna sound good because we're, Good at making things. You're Sound welcome, good. Philistines. You walked in here. You thought you could only make music with instruments. Little did you know that Stomp was here to completely rejigger your sonic soundscape. I couldn't even commit to the, the cynicism of that. But um, so we've carved out a distinctly anti-Stomp stance on on here on grunt work. <laughs> I feel like Jill would uh, kind of slap our wrists for that. Um, Why wait? Jill would slap our wrist. She seemed to. Uh, there is no on the Venn diagram of opera fans and Stomp fans. There is no overlap. That's two circles that are so? far away from each other. I think she would appreciate it on a certain level. She would. She would see it as like this is an opportunity to get Tim into the theater seats. We need to get him to the DIA <laughs> or the the opera house, the Detroit Opera House. I don't think so, Landon. <laughs> Tim would love Stomp. Stomp is 100% what Tim likes. It's like, oh, there's nothing more it is. more manly than a bunch of dudes just banging on stuff, making noise. He <laughs> wouldn't <laughs> recognize it as something he would like, though, uh, surface level. Because it's at, he would write it off immediately because it's at the opera house. He would need some sort of access point to it. Hey, hey I'm Jill right now. Hey, Tim, I got this brochure for this new band that's coming through the Detroit Opera House. Uh, oh, I don't want to do that. No, they're called Stomp, and they bang on trash can lids and, and dance with their feet and stuff. Huh? And then he and she hands him the brochure. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And then they go to see Stomp, and and it's amazing. And then afterwards, Jill. Jill really didn't like Stomp that much. Jill is ready to leave it behind, but Tim stays up all night. He's so inspired by it. And Jill comes down in the morning, and Tim, like, the, the chassis of that hot rod that he's been building in the garage, he's just all over drumming on it. He's got the boys in there drumming on it, too. It's like, Jill, Jill, come on, you gotta get in on this. Get in on this beat. Uh, and, and then the whole episode, right. you know, and by the end of it, Wilson and Jill and Al have to have an intervention to get Tim to stop liking Stomp so much. And, and, that, and that episode is called... Um, Stomp making sense. <laughs> there it is. Okay, and that's the end of the podcast forever. I will never make a better joke. You did gloss over gloss gloss you, you Santa gloss grazed over something that I want to. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just reassociating again. I do this. Uh, I want to touch on real quick that in the last handful of episodes, I would even say last ten episodes, they have slowly 
in the background, without drawing attention to it, been working on this hot rod. Yeah, they absolutely have. The The hot rod has been a background fixture. It's like a thing that he's working on when Jill has her pottery wheel mm-hmm. in, in there. Uh, it's a thing that, yeah, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been in the when, background of multiple. When Randy was fixing his bike, Tim was working on, uh, you know, after Randy went off that radical jump. Yeah. Oh, man, um, those were the days. I know. And he was fixing his bike tire. Tim was working on it. And now, I mean, it's not anywhere near anything more than a frame, but it's not rusty. It looks yeah. like it's painted. They clearly want us to see that this is an ongoing thing. Yeah, well, yeah. and I think that's kind of an interesting um, detail that the production's uh, and I orchestrated. Think, I think we were talking last week about how, uh, you know, the shows like this weren't meant to be watched as actively or binge-watched the way that we do because the technology wasn't there to do it. But I think that watching it this way, it also kind of brings to light some of these cool things the producers did, like the Timbo hat coming back. Right. Or like Greta coming back in post yeah yeah Greta post coming back or or this or being able to watch this hot rod slowly get built up more and more Mm -hmm. i so i think it's uh, i think it's 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 if nothing else it's something that separates a lot of the other sitcoms that are out there like yeah only other one i could think of off the top of my head is roseanne did a a number of things like that but again matt williams you know maybe the cosby show but also matt williams so good on you matt williams yeah way to go man way to go (laughs) The last thing we got to touch on is the clip show. Yes, uh, yeah, actually, our, I'm glad, our I'm glad dual you're... clip show that we got. Yeah, yeah, because we get him. We get the one that you talked about earlier, where um, well, let's do, yeah, explain, ex- yeah, yeah, explain that. So, okay, well, we'll we glazed over real quick the um, the point where Tim turns on the the radio after he's got it all set up and yeah. the opera is turned yeah. on to impress Jill, and he can't turn it down, and it smashes all the windows in the house. We, we, we cross-dissolve from the end of the rock concert to Tim, yeah. you know, doing this, yeah. Uh, and it breaks all the windows in the house because he can't turn it down, and that's what opera singers do. And that's a good bit. I, li- I enjoyed that. <laughs> that was that was pretty funny. Um, from that scene, we cut to later in the evening. Jill says she called the insurance company, and that's... They're willing to cover it, but they're going to raise their premiums. Yeah. And the reason why is because they think Tim is a bit of an accident-prone klutz. And Tim is like, what, what, why, why would they think that? What's going on? What are they talking about? And a little cartoon thought bubble. Well, Jill says, think about it. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Then a little cartoon thought bubble pops up over his head. Which was weird. Plays into these like cartoon physics that we've talked about in the past. Yeah. Yeah, and it just shows this montage of all the t- uh, you know a bunch of the times Tim has gotten hurt over the course yeah. of the season, or not even that, just his accident proneness because it starts with him clocking Bob Vila in the head. Yeah, there's him like sh- shooting himself with a nail gun on the yeah. set of home- of uh, Tool Time. There's him electrocuting himself on the yeah. set of Tool Time, falling from the the gurney on uh, uh, satellite on a hot Tim's roof, uh, getting getting dragged away by the car in the snow. Baby, it's cold outside here. Can I, can, here's my problem with this. Uh, you know, I'm gonna leave aside the fact that we're looking at a clip show in a cartoon thought bubble while Tim Allen (laughs) sits there on the lower left of it and just reacts to things. I want, I want the raw footage. Without just him sitting there having his, having his, like, little, little manic breakdowns. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so, you know, we're seeing all of, all of these accidents that have happened to Tim. Um, most of these accidents, don't happen at the house, which then don't apply to their homeowner's insurance right. policy. It would, so it would be tool times. It would be Benford's responsibility. Exactly, it would be on the production. Mm-hmm. So based on that, this is the worst episode of any TV show ever. Crucial blind spot in their <laughs> insurance realism department. <laughs> come on, Jill, you're smarter than that. Yeah, come on, come on, Carmen Finestra and all the other guys. Or is this world building and uh, filling in the gaps between the episodes in that Tim is accident prone? Even when we don't see him, that True. things are happening that aren't in the episodes. Oh yes, yes. That there is that there is life outside of these twenty-two minutes a week that we spend with the Taylors. Right, but from our uh, limited vantage point in our reality, <laughs> we can only see the things that we've uh, been able to see. And our reality is so limited, isn't it, Landon? <laughs> <laughs> Until I can bend a spoon with my brain, you got. We got to keep practicing. Yeah. Uh, and then the, like, where we usually get outtakes is where we see the, like, extended clip show, uh, not in a thought bubble, just kind of playing across our, our television screens. You guys liked it the first time, 30 seconds ago, you're gonna like it even better, (laughs) slightly larger and slightly longer. Uh, and it, 
it, it's uh, no. <laughs> that's what she said. No, yeah, that, no. Yeah, you're gonna no. sit in the shame of that one. Yeah, I'll rub your nose in it. Just a big old puddle of shame. <laughs> um, it's it felt weird. I felt the way that they handled it felt self congratulatory. I, I we hurt this guy a lot this season, didn't we? It's it was different than like if it had just been a clip episode, but you can't do that with one season. Um, they, but they would have, I bet, I bet they wanted to try. I bet they would have done if they could. I, it's, it, it felt weird. It felt shoehorned in much like the transitions. Um, yes, I, I wasn't a fan. And even though it was conflicting, cause I'm like, oh man, we lived through so much, you know, this has been the last two and a half, three months, more than that of our lives. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, it, it made it certainly it made me feel a sense of accomplishment. Like, yep, I remember all of that. I've been here for all of that. It's it's fan service for folks like us who've watched everything. <laughs> uh, but it was fan service I didn't feel like I needed. Yeah, and I felt pandered to certainly. Like, yeah. what kind of girl do you think I am? You think that's what it takes to impress me? <laughs> well, I think you hit it on earlier, which is like, I wish they had just gone out on a high note. Ended yeah. the episode with the the musical performance. The studio yeah. audience gives a standing ovation. My heart gave a standing ovation. My heart will go on to season two. <laughs> to season two. They, they re- there was no reason for them to cut back to Tim and Jill's house. They could have had that whole scene with the thought bubble and the opera stuff breaking uh, glass before they went to the set of yeah. Tool Time. It really it was not necessary. Or just cut the clip show stuff. I mean, whatever. I mean, if again, your heart's set on the clip show. This is one of those things that, like, as binge watchers, the clip show has kind of gone the way of the dodo. Uh, until a show like Community purposefully subverts it and does a clip right. show of stuff that hasn't happened. Yeah, a regular yeah. show which takes it and does exactly the thing you did. I'm just referencing again the Metamorphosis. No, no, but no, no, hey, no, referencing a different show though. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't watched a regular show. I don't think you've watched Community, so we're both talking yeah. over each other's heads. Um, anyhow, is there anything that we missed in this episode that you want to talk about? The only other thing I think that bears mentioning, oh, well, there's the grunt count. Uh, grunt count, this episode, 10. Ten grunts, solid ten. Okay, about on par. Yeah, and that's one of the things we're going to reveal on our our well, uh, the, yeah. season one spectacular. I, I have this. We haven't done the series grunt count for the past couple episodes, and maybe you think it's because we're forgetful, and we are. But that's not the reason this time. Because <laughs> we're saving it yeah. for the uh, for the grunt work uh, season finale spectacular arama palooza aganza. We'll do a big reveal Stock. of our, our calculations of what the final grunt count of season one was. Yes. So stay tuned for that next week. Yeah, on bated breath. Uh, the <laughs> only other thing I have to mention besides that, there's one other transition that upset me. Oh, God. Uh, shortly after, I don't know, something, ha- one of the speaker goofs happens, uh, and we, the screen, basically, I, a, the screen turns into a speaker the image on screen turns into a speaker, which then like pulsates and vibrates yeah, like woofer, as though it's right. getting blown out. Yeah, it turns into a subwoofer, and then it like blows out into the next scene. That too much it, for you? It. Ju- I feel like no one out there is talking about this except us, and no yeah. one out there is being bothered by the transitions except me. <laughs> so if I don't talk about it, yeah, no I'll one will. You, I'll tell you what I'll do for you. I'll get. I'll grab some gifts. Of the transitions, I'll start putting them out there in the world and see what the response is. Because everyone remembers fondly the transitions. Yes, but if they see them, if if we if we do a supercut of all the transitions, well, that yeah, that'll be a video. That, that would be a thing do. we do. Yeah. yeah, that that that'll have to come in later. But that would be yeah, really like Clockwork Orange. Sit in the chair with your eyes pried open and watch uh, all of the transitions, and then see how nostalgic you feel. <laughs> See how happy you feel. I mean, I would put it out there with a, a steady hand, not to bias people one way or another. Personally, uh, I know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there for you so that you can have people commiserate with you or throw it in your face and tell you you're, you're wrong. Um, but wow. you know what? They don't have a podcast about this. They don't have a podcast. You know, and again, unless you want to start grunt work work, where you <laughs> analyze and criticize us, we keep we keep inviting, and nobody's done it. Maybe that's what we do after. Uh, the entire series is done. We, do we po- go back and listen to our own podcast. Because this really is, in many ways, like an audio diary of where our heads are at at this point in time in our life. So four <laughs> years from now, we'll be wondering probably what we were what we were th- thinking yeah. in the summer of 2017. There you go. So Yeah, so I, is there anything else? I think that's the extent of it. Yeah, I don't really have anything else in my notes here. Um, 
So, I guess uh, the show notes for this episode will be posted on our website, um, which is grantworkpodcast.com, as you know. Um, you can also sign up for our mailing list, which is really the best way, in my humble opinion, to get uh, notified whenever a new episode is available, Yeah, uh, which we're releasing them on Tuesdays. But uh, we're also putting in exclusive content, some of the show notes, the grant count, uh, into those things. So, sign up there, please. Um if you've enjoyed this episode, you can uh, share it wherever you can. It really helps others find us, and every time you share us... We'll round up 48 of our friends and all dance naked in a field. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's really an incentive for you, but if you if you share it, we will pick a field far away from where you are. <laughs> you can also follow us on all the social media networks, uh, which is at GruntWorkPod. Yeah. Well, Landon, do you know what time it is? It's time to crank this baby up to 11. I, I would start, like, making music, but whenever we try to sing or do music on this show, it doesn't work. So let's just sit here in respectful silence. But the, the theme music's playing. All right. It's running.